All right, welcome. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another. Welcome to another episode. <laughs> this is Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. Um, waiting for some folks to pile in, so we'll just hang out a bit and wait for folks. And while we do, um, let me tell you about my my last couple days. Dang tanks, what's up? Welcome. Glad you are here. Still one of my favorite call signs, Dank Tank. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. Um, so I've had a, I, I just literally got home from work like three minutes ago, ran here and like started a live stream. So I'm still recalculating my mind from work mode to uh, fun live stream mode. So um, Brent, welcome, welcome, welcome. Sergeant, glad you're here. Viola, glad you're here. Tropico! <laughs> nice tank. <laughs> All right, let the tankiness begin. So I had an adventure in the fish room a couple days ago. So um, one of my uh, sprinkler valves developed a crack. And thankfully, it didn't like blow out. It just cracked. So it just was dripping. And it's an easy fix. Um, I have the manifold rigged in such a way that there's... Uh, simple ways to release each section so I can just repair one section at a time. But had a, a little water in the fish room from a slow leak, um, got that fixed. And then my truck broke down, so I had to go deal with that. So I got that fixed. And then my kids decided to jump on the bed and like one side of the bed got, they were jumping on it and they're a little too big for that now. So that broke into three pieces. So that's the shop getting put back together. So it's been a, it's been a funny couple days, but, um, and then work today ran forever. I, I literally just got off at uh, meetings with some of the production, the design departments. Um, we're doing a production here in Sheridan of steel magnolias that I'm directing. And so I had to meet with all the different designers and get that all squared away. So it's been a hectic couple days. Um, but here we are, this is what matters. So let's have some fun. Um, Wichita, glad you are here. Thomas, what's up, Dan? Dinner with family tonight. Can't stay. See you later. Okay, well, enjoy. Nothing better than a home-cooked meal. Um, hope you have a good time. Just for fun, family. What's up, Dan? Thanks for the advice on the bass. Oh, unfortunately, they passed, but thanks anyways. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, it didn't sound like they were in good shape. But I, I hope you can find, uh, you know, a, a healthier batch for the future because they really are stunning, stunning fish. There's this great uh, YouTube video. This guy, um, what's his name? Milko Miljiko um, does all these. I'm looking for it right now so I can tell you about it. He does all these great videos where he um, goes in wild habitats and takes underwater footage. So it's Ivan Mikolji, M-I-K-O-L-J-I. And he has this great video of him down in South America um, taking underwater footage. And you see this peacock bass hanging out over this underwater, this log that's been submerged underwater. And then there's a school of Rumino's tetras going by and the bass suddenly just flips and grabs one. And you see it and you're like, what happened? And then it replays in slow motion and you see this peacock bass just go from 
not moving at all to being 10 feet away in like a quarter of a second, having eaten this Rumino's Tetra. Um, it's, it's amazing footage. Poor Tetra. We all like Rumino's, but man, it was, I have a lot more respect for peacock bass after seeing that video. Their hunting prowess is something else. Lumpy dog in the house. All right. YouTube notification worked. Woohoo! We might actually get some people here at the top then. That's awesome. Hey, Crypto, welcome. Glad you are here. Hey, so I have a question for everybody uh, while people are piling in. Um, of course, you can ask anything fish related. Um, I do want to hear about any updates and anyone's breeding projects. Um, if, if fry are growing well, if there's any new spawns out there, anything like that. But I also wanted to ask... Um, what foods people are using out there. I'm just curious. I'm not necessarily looking for a new brand or anything like that, but every now and then I don't hear about a product or a new kind of live food or something until it's already been out and around for a while. And uh, I want to make sure that's not happening. So I'm just curious what foods people are feeding right now, what brands, um, and if there's any live food cultures that have hit the scene that, that are kind of new that I'm not aware of. I'm having really good luck cultivating the detritus worms. That's what I'm calling them. Just these little, like, uh, I don't know, they're like that big. What is that? Quarter of a centimeter? Maybe a little less? Um, little white worms that crawl all over the glass. They're not planaria. They're really thin. They don't have a hammerhead or a triangular head. And so I separated them out, and I'm growing them in a tank, and I've just got tons of them. And what I found is they're a great food for like small fry is they're once they get past microworm stage, they'll eat them. The wild bettas love them. The gobies eat them. So um, I, I'm having great luck with them. I'm wondering if anyone else out there has, has anything else that's, that's working for them. Just for fun. That's awesome. We'll check it out. Uh, so referring to the peacock bass video from I, Ian Ivan Mikologi, I think, um, I'll check it out. Thank you. They're amazing fish. I have three from another LFS that are two months old and already doubled in size. Yeah, that's awesome. So just for fun, I wonder if uh, the LFS where you got the other ones from, if you went back, I wonder if theirs are doing good or not. Um, if they're not, then you know it was the entire batch had an issue. If they are, then there's maybe something, um, maybe just transferring from the LFS to your a facility that stress alone from moving can sometimes break things out um, or or maybe there's something in the parameters but it might be worth going back to that fish store and just seeing if they've still if the rest of the batch is, is still doing well and healthy if they have any more I don't even know Janet hey hey welcome Janet I'm glad you are here um, Steve tetra tropical granules yeah I do use those um, I like those quite a bit um, Viola Hopsalot, my blue smoky angelfish and pearl scale zebra angelfish laid eggs and hashed. That's awesome. Any idea what the results could be? No. Um, <laughs> no. A, because I don't really follow angelfish genetics very much, but B, because most angelfish that you get commonly have so many recessive genes embedded in them that unless, unless they came from a really pure line and the breeder can tell you what their genotype is as well as their phenotype, um, it's hard to predict. I've seen pairs of angels just throw all kinds of different things. So I really don't know. But I think that's awesome that they laid eggs and awesome that they hatched. Um, 
I'm wondering, are you keeping them in with the parents or have you separated them? Are you uh, going to raise them by themselves? Or are you going to try to let the parents do it? Um, but there's few things are cooler than a big school of little baby angelfish cruising around the bottom of the tank uh, looking for food. And and if you can get the parents to take care of them, then it's really a sight. But it doesn't uh, it, that can be a little difficult. <laughs> the parents sometimes eat them. Right. But anyway, I'm wondering how you're doing it, Viola. And Viola, are you new to angelfish? Is this your first spawn or, or is this like something you do all the time? Aqua Prince, hello, Dan and everybody. Well, hello, Aqua. Welcome. Lumpy Dog. Aquarium co-op, small fish and fry food. Yeah, like in the squeezy bottle. Yeah. Bug bites, fish freaks, blackworm flakes. Oh, that's one I haven't tried. Standard flakes, canned green beans, freeze dried and frozen food. So that's what Lumpy Dog is doing. Um, Hey, I have a question. Does anyone else use Fish Freaks? Um, if so, do you like it? And is it worth the paying the money? Uh, just curious what everyone's opinion is on that. Um, Hikari Bug Bites, yeah. Hikari is one of my favorite companies because they've been consistently good for decades. They've just been good for a long time. They're not maybe always the best food when it comes to dry and pelleted foods, but they've cons they've been um but at least you know it wasn't something you did if the whole group went down in several locations. Yep. VStag, hi. Well, welcome. Welcome, VStag. Glad you are here. Thanks for joining us. And I'm going to, this is right back at you. <laughs> oh, I always do that. I always think that this is two hands clapping because I don't look clearly. But here, how's this? <laughs> Viola. I kept the fry with them. Excellent parents. Cool. Is this their first uh, batch or do they consistently raise young successfully? Because if they do, that's almost an anomaly. That's awesome. Uh, a lot of folks have a real hard time raising the babies with the parents, but I'm glad you got it. I hope you get some video footage. Um, it's a really cool site. And if you can make a video of that, Viola, I think that would be awesome. Wichita, Rapashi is my staple. Yep. I, I'm with you. It's one of my staples too. Um, man, I love that stuff. I don't, I don't know what we did before Rapashi. Well, I do, but it was a pain. Now you can keep food in front of fish all day long, just putting a big chunk of Rapashi in there. You can get great growth rates um, in conditioned fish for breeding really easy. It's just, it's just been awesome. Um, before Rapashi, there were some things. There were like these gum drops, which were sort of a gel food, but it was frozen. And it didn't, it didn't quite do the same thing, but just the way Rapashi stays together so long makes it, makes it an amazing food. DK Fish Hooks, Aqua Team Racing. Oh yeah, I, I remember this. My black mollies are fighting getting sick from stress, X. Oh, that's too bad. Um, so DK, um, just a couple questions. If you care to comment, A, how long have you had them? B, is your water hard? C, is there any salt in the water? And then the last thing is, are they getting vegetable matter in their diet? Um, just curious about those things. Um, first thing I always check if I see a fish acting strangely or acting sick or lethargic or anything is I always check ammonia and nitrite because you never know. You have a tank going forever. You think it's cycled. You think everything's good fish are getting sick. You don't think it could be those things, but so often it is. So that's something else to check if anyone else is having trouble. Um, DK, I'm really sorry to hear that you're having trouble with the mollies, but, um, oh, another thing is, 
sometimes mollies like it pretty warm, so it might be worth checking the temperature. Um, 82 degrees or so, they would love. They like it nice and hot. Um, Jim Hanley, hey Dan, do you know of or have you ever used the fine particles left over flake food made into a solid gelatin? No, um, I've never, I use that stuff all the time, but I've never used it to make a gelatin. I always use it to feed fry. So when I get to the bottom of the container and I have those fine particulates left, it just becomes fry food for me. Or as you're using the container and those little particulates get left on the side of the can or the jar or whatever we're calling that plastic thing that the food is in, then I'll use my finger and kind of scrape it off and flick it into the tank. Um, and that's how I feed uh, smaller fish. So never made... I've never made my own gelatin food. Um, I've seen other people do it back in the day. And um, I always preferred using frozen. It seemed easier. But nowadays with Rapashi, um, they just made it so easy that I'll probably never make gel food again as long as, or I never have made gel food, but I'll probably never make gel food as long as there's Rapashi. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Um, yeah, by all means. But they've made it so easy that I'm too lazy now to even try it. And also I did, I was interested in doing it once upon a time and I priced it out. And for all the different ingredients I wanted, I wanted a really high quality food. It, it costs more to, for me to buy the ingredients and make it than to just buy the Rapashi. So that's how I do it. But um, I'm curious what other gel foods you make. Um, are, are you old hat at it? Do you do all kinds of stuff? I'm curious. Uh, what your secret is there if you do. All right, Fishman, evening all. Well, evening, Fishman. Glad you are here. Viola, they have fry swimming and fry just hatched at the same time. Oh, oh. Are you saying that they had a previous batch of fry and then a new batch just hatched? Um, just something to keep in mind there is if the parents don't eat the eggs or the fry, that's awesome. But the older fry sometimes we'll prey on the, the younger fry. Just keep that in mind. But that sounds awesome. You got a few generations in the tank. That's great. DK, dominant male is great. How do I treat the other males? Thanks. Oh, okay. Okay. So DK, um, it depends. If you only, so can you tell me how many mollies you have total and then how many of those are males? If you can give me that information, I might be able to help you more. Um, basically what it boils down to is if you have a large group, then the aggression is spread out. But if you have a smaller group of males, then, um, then that dominant male will sometimes harass the others to the point where they get stressed and start getting sick. Um, one way to try to help that is make sure there's lots of cover, lots of light of sign, line, light of sign, <laughs> line of sign breaks so that the males don't always have to see each other because as soon as they do, they'll go after each other. At least the dominant male will chase the other ones. But the, the best thing to do if you only have a few males is to separate them. Take that dominant male out. Let the other ones have a chance to recover um, or vice versa. But I would take the dominant male out and let the subdominant ones have a chance to recover. But unless there's lots of lines of sight breaks or a critical mass and or a critical mass of males in the group, you might not ever be able to really cure that because if you take out the dominant male, one of the subdominant males will become dominant 
and he'll do the same thing to the other males. So it might be a thing where you narrow it down to only one male or you get a lot of males. So there's enough to spread the aggression. So that's why I'm curious how many mollies you have total and how many are males. Um, Aqua Apprentice saying hi to some folks. Everyone's saying hi. All right. Welcome, Bob. Um, Lumpy Dog, everything I have eats the fish freaks, blackworm flakes, even the betta. Highly recommend for small food and aggressive feet eaters. Flakes are delicate and can end up, end up in smaller pieces. Okay. Um, yeah, I find that true with most flake food. So, Lumpy, um, a couple questions about the fish freaks food. How does it smell in the fish room after you feed it? And then if you accidentally fed too much or something like that, how does it break down? Does, does the water get all cloudy and stuff or does it kind of hold itself together a little bit? Just curious. Uh, Turbo, hey, welcome. Welcome, Turbo Fish. Um, other people saying hi. Kangley, welcome, Kang. I'm so glad you're here. I've seen some of your stuff, man. Seen you on camera. I'm glad you're here. And... Um, Yep. Kengli loves Rapashi too. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. <laughs> we didn't know what we were missing before Rapashi came out. Now I don't know if I could ever do without it. It's just like you have a group of Corydoras, you're trying to get them to breed. It can be hard because they need so much food, but put in a bunch of Rapashi, you're done. Get a bunch of baby fish growing up and you have to work all day. How are you going to feed them while you're gone so that they don't you know, so they have a good growth rate and they aren't stunted and they don't suffer. Well, put in a big chunk of rapashi for a lot of fish. That'll work just fine. Yeah, I love this stuff. Lumpy Doug saying hi. Everyone's saying hi. All right. Um, Lumpy Dog, tanks can mini cycle if tank has been treated with meds. Yeah. Or if there's a temperature change or if there's a change in bio load or if a plant's uh, cycle changes, or there's a million things that can happen. Um, and we just don't know it. And I think a little bit of, of it is probably hubris, right? Because we're like, no, I know what I'm doing. I set up this tank, right? There can't be ammonia in it. I, I would know that. But um, it's, it sounds like in the case that we're talking about here at the Mollies that it's really probably if one male's great and the rest are not, it's probably an aggression issue. And the only way to fix that is to put in line of sight blocks, change the numbers in the group, uh, add a bunch of males or remove all but one male. Um, but I agree. There's any other time, check the ammonia, check the nitrite. You, you're often surprised. And um, there's nothing... Well, nothing worse, but if, if that's what it is and you can fix it, great. But if that's what it is and you don't check and so you start adding medicine, well, now you're just stressing the fish even more because medicine is stressful to fish, to their system. Um, all right, Turbo, just made, made my own gel food gelatin from work plus secrets like spinach and maybe various foods. Yeah, that's cool. Um, do you use auger? Are you using like an algae-based gelatin? Just curious what the base is that you're using. Peter, hi, Dan. Hi, everybody. Well, hey, Peter, welcome. Glad you are here. All right, some love between Peter and Kang Lee. Peter, please like and share this video. I'm tweeting it now. Hey, well, thanks. Appreciate it, Peter. Um, DK, so you think a harem is the best way to go? Thanks. Yeah, uh, 
DK, in my experience with, with live bears in general, um, one male to a group of females is great. Um, I community spawn a lot of my live bears, but I have lots of males, like at least a dozen. In fact, in most of my tanks, I probably have 25 to 50 males in an equal number of females. And then I don't have the aggression issues. But even if I only have like four males in a tank, I can easily get aggression issues. It has to be a kind of critical mass of males to spread the aggression. And if you don't have the room for that or don't want to do that, I would just I would just keep one male. I do think that's the issue. Uh, harem spawning is great. The other nice thing about harem spawning is if you have lots of females and only one male, then the females don't get harassed too much because uh, his uh, his ardor, shall we say, is spread out between lots of different females. Yep. So hope that's helpful, DK. If you have any follow-up questions, please ask. And if anyone else has any um, any advice or experience with that issue and would treat it differently than I do, please chime in so we can uh, have a full gamut of ideas on the topic for DK. Aqua, have you ever kept a betta? Dan, it seems like everyone has one at some point. Yeah, I love bettas. Um, I've kept a lot of them. I've bred a lot of them. Anything from placats to uh, half moons to um, embellus, which isn't really embellus, the, the domesticated kind. It's, it's almost like a, just a metallic placat. Dumbo ears. Um, and back in the day, veal tails before half moons came into vogue. Uh, used to breed veal tails even. And then apart from that, um, I bred a lot of wild type bettas as well. Uh, Pugnax, which is big and impressive. Not the most colorful, but a simple one to start with and a neat fish. Um, Betta rubra, Betta chinoides, some of the others. Um, yeah, I love bettas. Now, I don't have any Betta splendens right now. I just have rubra and chinoides. Um, and it's really just a thing of right now of not having a bunch of small tanks that I could put them in and keep warmer than the rest of the fish room because I keep this fish room in the mid seventies. And when I keep bettas, I want to keep them at least 82 degrees generally right around there. And so I'd have to set up a separate self-contained uh, system for them that was kept at that temperature and somehow still did auto water cha water changes and stuff. And I, I just don't have that, but I'd like to do it again. Bettas are awesome. Um, and by the way, if no one has, uh, if you're into bettas and you haven't done it yet, check out Simply Betta. Her station is amazing. Um, I don't think she's been doing bettas for a really long time, but she's been into it for real and has learned a lot. And so you can kind of watch her journey as she progresses through the hobby. But most importantly, she just does videos right. Her videos are tight. They're entertaining. Um, they're she just does it right. She, she edits her videos very carefully so that there's not a lot of dead time or downtime or anything. Just the action keeps going with them. And I just enjoy watching her videos. I, and I think she has a great personality for the camera. So anyone into Betta's, Simply Betta's channel, I, I love it. I'd recommend you check it out. Um, anyway, Aqua, that's one way, that's one way to answer your question. <laughs> I could have said yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> When's that ever happened? Wichita, I want to try Rapache Fruit Loops. It has black soldier fly larva. Swiss Tropicals has a great price. Yeah, give it a whirl. Let me know. I haven't tried that one yet. Um, but, you know, soldier fly larva is all in vogue right now. 
Um, and I think it's a, it's a great food, right? It's an insect based food. So a lot of our fish eat insects in the wild and eat larvae, uh, whether it's submerged or emerged insects and insect larvae. So yeah, give it a whirl. I'd love to hear what your experience is, Wichita. Um, Wichita saying hi to King. Um, oh, scrolling, scrolling, trying to find, there we go. Rod, finally caught your live stream. Really enjoying listening to you. Well, thanks, Rod S. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Lumpy Dog, regarding Fish Freaks Flakes, no noticeable smell from me. Cool. And then, um, doesn't appear to cloud water, but I use pea gravel and tanks, so it helps to trap the extra flakes. Okay, cool. Um, all right. I'm going to check them out because, Lumpy Dog, you're not the first person who's talked about uh, Fish Freaks Flakes um, and how good they are. So I'm curious, anyone else out there, what other favorite foods are people feeding, whether it's live food or, or uh, frozen foods or, or brands of uh, flakes, pellets, whatever you have out there? I'm just curious what's out there and what people are liking. Um, other questions are fine too. Anything about fish at all is fine. And especially anyone that's come in since I last said it, um, any breeding projects, any new spawns, any for a minute that it did it again. That is really weird. Well, this is making for some good TV, isn't it? Jeez. Well, sorry, guys. Um, I'm sure you all just experienced what I did, which was a complete shutdown randomly twice in a row of the system. So sorry. Let's keep going. Um, looks like my stream health is like awesome. So I don't know what that was, but we'll keep going and hope it doesn't turn into a big thing. Um, some highs back and forth, and then down to Turbo regarding, oh, so Turbo is making some gelatin food and he's telling us what he uses. So the base is just plain old gelatin used to make candy. Okay. Supplier is Cargill. I would assume Wilbur <laughs> made my Rapashi great again. Thanks, <laughs> uh, saying hi to Turbo back and forth. Yeah, Turbo's got secrets. Turbo's got secrets with the gel food. All right. Um, Dank, man, you better text me now. Okay, so it looks like Turbo's been ghosting Dank, but now he's gotten in. Um, <laughs> Turbo, <laughs> Turbo, your comment got hidden. You shut your mouth about my spinach. Somehow YouTube thought that was not appropriate. I don't know why, but I think it's funny. So I'm going to post it. All right. So there it came right through. All right. Awkward Prentice. Okay. A lot of laughing about Turbo and Dank being their shenanigans. <laughs> Yep. Secrets are classified. Yep. Turbo's gone, gone dark with his secrets. It's like KGB secret here. It's deep. It's Cold War stuff. Aqua. Simply Betta is a natural on the camera. Really enjoy her content as well. Yeah, she's just fun. Um, you know, there's some stations that I watch, stations, channels that I watch just because um, what they're doing is interesting to me in their fish room or because they, um, I'm learning a lot but they're not necessarily entertaining. I just do it because there's things there that I, I'm learning from. But Simply Betta, she's just fun to watch. She's genuinely entertaining, I think. Yep, natural on camera, I agree. <laughs> DK, 
Do you ever do a tank tour so I can see how many fish I can buy? Yeah, if you look, um, DK, on my channel, if you look at the videos I have, um, I did a tour just a couple weeks ago. It's called My Fish Room 2.0 or My Fish Room Tour 2.0. And then if you look um, back further than that, there's a tour of my old fish room. But yeah, there's quite a bit of footage on the channel where you can uh, get a tour of the fish room and see what I have right now. Almost everything that's in that video is still available. Um, I've added some juvenile um, Limia perugier, the Haitian live bear, because they came of size. I've added some juvenile American flagfish, and I've got hundreds of them. So if anyone wants juvenile flagfish, <laughs> I've got so many. <laughs> I've got so many Jordanella floridae right now. Um, and then I'm about to add juvenile um, Wapoga red laser rainbow fish. That's Militaniata rubra vitata. But I'm waiting for them to get a little more size on them because rainbow fish are so energetic that I don't want to, I want to wait for them to get a little bigger before they go without food that long because they burn food so fast. But yeah, check it out, DK. There's a, there's a full tour, uh, each tank, the different systems um, that I use to run the fish room, all that. Yep. Turbo fish. Once I added three tablespoons of Vitachem, I called the president. He said, bro, that's next level. Huge. <laughs> yep. Vitachem is great. That's, that is something. Another trick with adding vitamins to your fish food is, um, so you can add Vitachem to like the rapashi food while it's still liquid before it sets. You could do that. But something else you can do is you can soak your frozen food in it. So when you get your brine shrimp or your blood worms or what have you out and you thaw it, in that container of water you're thawing it in, uh, add some vitamin Vitachem to that, and uh, it'll soak up some of it. It's not precise, but you'll get some in there. All right. Um, yeah, so, yep, I died for a little while there. The stream went bye-bye, but, yep, it's we're back, so I don't know what that was. <laughs> yep. YouTube knew that the spinach comment was coming, so it, it shut down. That's right. <laughs> okay. Mr. Sunmade or Miss Unmade? I don't know. <laughs> My Oscar's like Hikari. Yep. Yeah, Hikari's pretty consistent food, has been for years. Um, the, uh, the little micro pellets are pretty useful when you're trying to feed really small tetras or small surface dwellers. Betas like them too. They're a good thing to add in the rotation, I think. Um, Aqua is because Turbo mentioned the president. That's right. That's right. You mentioned the president and spinach, and it set off all the um, <laughs> all the government alarms and shut down to check. That's right. <laughs> all right. Um, for real, I killed Dan for 20 seconds. Yep. I came back stronger, though. I came back stronger. All right, Mile High, welcome. So hang on, I got to scroll again. I lost it. So Mile High, um, I think we covered this, but I'm assuming you're in the Denver area. It, let me know if that's true. If so, next time I'm down there, maybe I could uh, we could get together or something. All right, lots of back and forth about the secrets and the president and shutting down my channel. Yep, yep, good times. Dank just made about the rummy nose being eaten by bass. Okay, Lumpy Dog and Turbo going back and forth. I'm scrolling, scrolling, looking for the next thing. 
Hey, Jim, welcome. Glad you're here. All right, trying to get past this shenanigans to a question or a comment. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are having fun, though. That's awesome. All right. Uh, all right, more, more of the uh, conspiracy theories. Okay, we're getting there, though. All right, Kengli, poker red lasers are awesome. I just got some like a month ago. Yeah, they're fun. They're hardy too. They've been like bulletproof for me. And they lay tons of eggs. I mean, I'm getting so many eggs from them. They're awesome. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Sunmade or Unmade, do you have Mabuna? If not, who would you suggest? So I don't have Mabuna con uh, currently. Um, I've, I've had lots of Mabuna in the past and I, I've worked at a wholesaler where we sold tons of Mabuna. Um, I don't have... There's, there's only a few folks that, that I know that have consistently good, uh, cichlids because cichlids aren't something I've been into a lot. So I don't have that much for you. Um, the fish house in LA does a great job, but he doesn't have a lot of Mabuna and he kind of only wants to sell the wholesalers. Um, um, oh, here's, I wonder if, uh, Bob does right now. So there's a guy in um, there's a guy in Utah. I've been to his house a couple times. He's an old timer. He breeds lots of cichlids. Bob Allen. Hang on, let me see if he has any. I think it was Bob Allen. Um, yeah, Bob Allen. Let's see if I can find. There it is. Um, so I'll put you a post, a link here. Oh no, that's a form. Well, he used to have a website, um, like rifflake.com or something like that. Um, African Rift Lake cichlids. I don't remember, but if you Google Bob Allen and cichlids, then, um, you might find his website and you'll be able to see if he has any for sale there. Um, I was pretty impressed with the quality of his fish each time I've been there, but I'm not sure he did a lot of Mabuna. He did mostly Tanganyika and stuff and peacocks and things like that, but he might've had some. So I don't, does anyone else have a good suggestion for Mabuna, a good source? Um, I know lots of people sell them, but I'm not sure if they're a consistently good source. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure wet spot aquatics has them and for, for commercial operation, they're one of the more highly regarded. So you might want to check wet spot aquatics. Um, but I think the best thing to do maybe would be get on Aquabid and see if you can find a hobbyist that bred some and is selling off some babies um, or selling off a group. That might be the way to go. Um, Peter Theo, can you add defrosted brine shrimp or cyclops to Rapashi? Yeah, you can do anything with Rapashi. That's one reason I like it. You can add spinach. Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. That's Turbo's secret. Sorry, Turbo. Oh, gosh. Now he's going to... Now I'll never be back. If, if I'm not back next week, you know that Turbo, uh, Turbo had to take out the secret breaker. But you can add spinach. You can add all kinds of frozen foods. You can add lots of things to it. Yeah. Um, if you use it as a base, then sky's the limit to what you can add to Rapashi. 
Um, turbo. I added bloodworm, shrimp, creel, and I almost thought that that said beer. Beef, beef heart, to one of mine, to the Rapashi. Yep, you can do it for sure. Okay, thread jumped on me, so I'm looking here. There we go. Lumpy dog. The dark web ain't got nothing on the fishy web. That's right. This is dangerous. Don't say spinach. Oh, shoot. I said it again. <laughs> Dank. I added calcium without D3 to mine. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. Like reptile calcium. Just for fun. Thanks for the live stream, Dan. Gotta go. Figured I'd leave you guys with one cool little thing. My two-year-old sunflower seeds threw sunflower seeds in my Oscar tank and they loved them. <laughs> I bet they did. Hopefully they didn't have shells on them. <laughs> I can see Oscars eating that. They'll eat anything. Anyway, have a good one. Thanks for joining. Kyle, did you know LBJ shot Jen? Okay, now, yep, yep. Now we're more conspiracy theories. The conspiracy episode. That's what I'm going to put in the title, in the description. The conspiracy episode. Uh, Vila, did you answer the milky white water? Oh, I can't get rid of my aquarium. Bloom of sort. Had it for a month. Yeah, uh, just a sec, Viola. So, Viola, I um, I missed the original question, but what that is is it's a bacterial bloom. If your water gets milky and white, and it's often happens with new tanks, I would I would just test for ammonia and nitrite, and if those are not elevated. I would just keep the tank going. Eventually, it'll balance out. Um, hopefully, you're doing water changes to keep the quality of the water up. But often, that happens with new tanks. Often, it can take a long time to clear up. And by new tanks, I don't mean it only happens to brand new tanks. It can happen to tanks that are a few months old. Um, it can happen if there's a mini cycle. Anytime an imbalance happens, you can get that bloom. And so, a couple things to watch out for. Um, bacteria in that density can lower O2 levels. They can consume a lot of oxygen. So make sure you have plenty of uh, surface movement in the tank. Also, if the tank, if you cool the temperature down, that can help keep the oxygen level higher and can sometimes help uh, maybe take that bacterial bloom down a notch. But it also might help, it, it also might um, keep the system from recovering as quickly too. So there's give and take from that. But the main danger that you're gonna face with that is O2 depletion. So just uh, my advice would be see it through. It's gonna take a while to balance out, but um, if, as long as your O2 is okay and your ammonia nitrite aren't high, you're probably okay. If anyone else has any better advice, um, then please, please chime in so we can help viola out. There are some chemicals that you can put in to help clarify water and things. I don't tend to use them. I, I, if something happens because of an imbalance, then my feeling is I'm going to wait for the system to rebalance and that's a long-term fix. So that's my advice, but other ideas are welcome. If anyone has any for viola, let me dog Kyle's jumping in. Yep. We've made it now. Yep. Kyle, solve our problems. We've got conspiracy theories. We've got the dark net. We've got, I don't know, KGB secrets going on. So Kyle is here. All is well. We can all relax now. <laughs> Mile high plecos. 
Well, I'm about an hour north of Denver. So like Fort Collins. Uh, but yeah, come on down as long as you promise you're not a serial killer. I don't know with this stream. <laughs> Just joking, but seriously. <laughs> yeah, my middle name is Dexter. No. Uh, <laughs> All right. Just for fun, held for review. Why in the heck was that held for reveal? View. It says Viola Akura. All right. I'm putting that down. Maybe that means something bad and I don't know it, but I'm, I'm taking a chance on just for fun. 4.95 works awesome. Legit within 20 minutes. Okay. A cure all F. I've never used that. Okay, cool. Um, and what's 4.95? Is this a product I just don't know about? 4.95 aquarium. Let's see. Oh, looks like it. No, that's 4.95. Huh. All right, I'll have to research that later. I don't want to take the time to bore you guys while you watch me Google. But um, I'm guessing just for fun that a cure-all F is the product. And I'm not sure what 4.95 means. Kyle's Wild World. If anyone else does, please enlighten me. Uh, Mild High lives in an underground bomb shelter from 1980. Well, if Kyle says it, I mean, he is here to solve this issue. So now we know. Great, great, great. <laughs> All right. Mile High is exposed. Yeah. Mile High has beautiful plecos. Well, great. I'd love to see them. Um, do you have a website, Mile High? Just curious. Kyle's Wild World. I know these things. Yes, he does as he twists his mustache and laughs maniacally in the corner. Um, so back to the Mabuna. Turbofish. Depends on the Mabuna, but West Spot is the safest. Yeah, West Spot's... Westpot has an amazing reputation for a retail store, and they have for decades. And so, I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but it's hard for a retail store to have consistently good, uh, to maintain a consistently good reputation over the long run. So many of them launch and then end up, end up not being what we hoped. But they've been around a long time, and they've been apparently doing it right for a long time because... Their reputation is about as good as it can get for a commercial retail place, I think. Um, all right. And, and they don't, and it's not like they're, you know, promoting themselves in social media and, and doing all that. It's just word of mouth. It's just organic. Um, yep. All right. So. Aqua might want to check. Imperial Tropicals from Mabuna usually get good quality fish. Okay. Tank, dude, just stole Turbo Secrets. Yeah. Okay. Still happening. All right. We might need to have Kyle step in and solve all this. <laughs> Turbo Welps, Dan's going to the bunker now. At least Alex Jones will keep you company. That's right. Actually, this is funny. I used to, in my, uh, when I was getting my bachelor's, I was at Cal State Northridge in California and legit that building was an old bomb shelter. So the top part of it has all been redone and remodeled and stuff. But when you went down into the storage where we kept all the props and set pieces and some costume stuff and just down in the never, never down there, it was a legit old bomb shelter. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was a little freaky, but Hey, 
we were there. And if there was ever an earthquake or ever a problem, we were we knew we would just dive right downstairs. We would have been fine for a long time. <laughs> so I have actually been in a bomb shelter, spent a lot of time in a bomb shelter. I also made a movie once about being stuck in a bomb shelter, but that's another subject. Um, all right. So back to the stream. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. All right. Best food. Lumpy Dog says, my fish love beer and pizza rolls. At least that's what they tell my wife. Why'd I tell my wife? Yep. That's sorry. I need another beer. It's for the fish, right? <laughs> Is that what's going on, Lumpy Dog? <laughs> Got to take some beer to the fish. <laughs> DK, do you have a favorite site for aquarium plant problems? Um, I don't. If other po folks could chime in on that, that would be wonderful. Um, I don't really keep plants. I, I, I mean, I do, but I have bear tanks. So I have like water Sprite floating in the tanks because I can't kill it and the fish like it. And it provides some biological filtration and more natural kind of environment. I have Java fern and I have Java moss, you know, plants like that, that I just can't kill. But I've never been a planted guy, so I don't have that. But other folks, if you know of a great planted aquarium problem site where someone can get help, where DK can get some advice, um, please chime in so that we can help DK out. One thing though, DK, is if the plants are in with the mollies, mollies love to eat plants. So anything where the leaves are, uh, or the plants aren't really tough, um, that could be one of the things that's happening. It might be something to watch out for if the plants in the molly tank are having the problem. Okay. Now we're getting more into the snacks. All right. All right. Hang on. Getting past the conspiracies, trying to find a comment <laughs> fish related or uh, a question. Okay. Yep. Now we've hit the Illuminati of Plecos. Yep. We always knew mile high was in there, was, was doing that. Uh, Sagoon. How to breed Betarubra. Okay, yeah, I can totally get into that. So Betarubra, in my experience, is super easy to spawn. And there's several ways to do it. Um, this goes for Betachinoides. This goes for Beta Alba Marginata. This goes for a lot of those kind of smaller mouth breeding Betas. Not necessarily like Brownorum or uh, Cochina and things like that, but just the next step up in size and kind of bulk. Um, so there's several ways to do it. One is to get a group, always get a few more than you think you're going to need. They're very peaceful in a group. You can set up an aquarium, uh, you can decorate it, have lots of hiding spots and things like that in it, and they'll just breed in there naturally. Uh, if you have enough plant cover, most of the babies will survive. You'll get a good return. And you feed the bettas, and once a day, just put in a little bit of baby brine shrimp, and you'll eventually see new generations coming. So that's kind of the natural method, and that works fine. Here's the problem with breeding mouth breeding bettas. The problem is that um, unlike most betta species, in mouth breeding bettas, it's the females that are aggressive. Not, not aggressive like betta splendens by any means, but... Um, Sorry, I thought I heard a drip, but they are the ones that are more territorial. The females are the ones that instigate the breeding. So they court the males. Um, and what happens is the males hold the eggs in their buccal cavity, in their mouth, right down here, right? So what can happen is the female will spawn with the male. The male will hold the eggs for 
couple weeks. It depends on temperature and other things like that. And then he'll spit out the fry. The female in the meantime will have refilled with eggs. So often she'll spawn with the male immediately after he's released the fry. So in a communal setting like that, it, that's hard to monitor. And what can happen is the males can spawn se se sequentially enough times in a row that they actually lose body weight, they can starve. So that's the problem with doing it that way. The way I like to do it is keep males and females separate. And then when I want the, to breed them, put a male and female together in a small aquarium. Um, they breed, then I take out the female and I leave the male in there. Once the male spits the fry, make sure there's some cover for him. I, I use pipes, plants, little flower pots, but make sure there's substantial cover in there so he can get away and, and just hang out and not be seen while he's just trying to incubate the eggs in his mouth. So once he spits the fry, then you can put him back in the tank with the other males and fatten him up until he's ready to spawn again. Um, or if you don't have a group, you can just keep a male and female in two separate tanks. Um, same thing, but when the male spits his fry, you'll need a third tank that you can take him out put him in and fatten him back up before he spawns again. They're really simple though. If you feed them well, and it's sometimes hard to get them to eat flakes and pellets, but they'll eat really well on live food and they'll usually take frozen brine shrimp and frozen bloodworms and other foods like that. Mine love like fruit flies. They love uh, the black worms I culture. They love the detritus worms I culture. They love amphipods, which we call scuds. Um, and they'll also eat baby brine shrimp and they'll eat just fine as well on frozen bloodworms and frozen brine shrimp. So you fatten them up, you put them together. They're not usually vicious. They'll spawn in their own time. Once you see the females got thin and the male has his buccal cavity full, take out the female. Um, that's really it. They don't need any special temperatures. Keep them in the mid seventies. The one thing to maybe watch out for uh, mid to upper seventies, the one thing to watch out for though is these fish come from black water habitats, really soft, really acidic water. And so the problem you can have with those, and it's not insurmountable by any means, but the problem you can have is that um, coming from those environments, they're often not used to the bacteria load that is in most people's water. You don't need soft water to breed them. I've bred them in very hard water extremely hard water. I've also bred them in soft water. They do fine in both, but you have to keep it clean, whether it's hard or soft. They're very intolerant of ammonia and nitrite because in the environments that they live in, ammonia doesn't exist. It's acidic enough that the ammonia is converted into a, a less toxic form. So they, they really never encounter ammonia in their natural habitat. So ammonia and nitrite will wipe them out really quickly, as will, um, and so you have to keep the water really clean so they aren't stressed by that, so they don't succumb to the bacterial loads. Also, when you first get them, I would definitely do a quarantine and I definitely medicate them. Um, you can use erythromycin, you can use oxytetracycline as an antibiotic, um, metronidazole and praziquentanol for uh, an antibacterial. Um, really important though, if they don't have an antibiotic, if they're coming in from the wild, then they're gonna have an issue um, transferring to our aquariums because we generally have hard water 
which supports a much higher bacteria load. And even if we don't, being in a small aquarium, they're gonna have a much higher bacteria load. Um, also, if they're fresh from the wild, their first couple weeks, I would just feed them live food until they're acclimated to the tank, they're acclimated to the new system. And then once they're eating well on that, I would try to put them over to frozen food. I wouldn't try to switch them to frozen food while they're also trying to adjust to the new tank and the new parameters and everything like that. So anyway, that's my tank on a uh, beta rubra. Oh, by the way, when the fry hatch, they're pretty good size. They're much bigger than beta splendens fry for sure. Um, you can feed them newly hatched brine shrimp right away. They also will take microworms without any problem. Um, and they grow pretty darn quick. Um, keep the food in front of them and they'll grow really quick. Um, they don't like really high current, either the parents or the fry. So that's one thing to keep in mind, especially when you're breeding them, uh, to keep the current so it's just kind of barely flowing, just a little bit of water movement. So they don't have to swim against it, especially the babies. Anyway, if you need any follow-up on better rubra um, and how to breed them, let me know. Mile high. Okay, we're back to the <laughs> we're back to the conspiracies. <laughs> it was a good time though. <laughs> All right. So Dank's asking, how long ago did you set the tank up? I assume we're talking about, I'm not sure, but I assume we're talking about the white cloudy tank that um that we were talking about earlier. Um all right. So Turbo left. All right. Good to see you, Turbo. Thanks for hanging out. And thanks for the fun, man. You made this entertaining. Appreciate it. Um, Turbo left with the wise words, live your dream. Yes, we shall. <laughs> Oliver, over a year ago and not sure how I got it. Tank was doing well beforehand. Okay, I've got to go up Rod and find that. There it was. Um, Okay, just trying to follow the comments here. Just a sec, guys. So we're talking about cloudy water. Okay, Rod asks, anyone had success using a UV sterilizer to clear up cloudy water? Yes, for sure. Yep, it can work. Um, so that is a thing. The thing is, though, it doesn't correct the imbalance. So we'll clarify the water. We'll kill almost any small living thing that's suspended in the water column. So that's green water, algae. That's the white bacterial bloom that um, we were talking about earlier. Sure, it will kill it. The issue is those things are occurring because of an imbalance somewhere and killing them off does not fix the imbalance that caused them in the first place, just to keep that in mind. Um, all right. Lumpy Dog, Dan, are you going to breed those beautiful platinum angels? I'm not planning on it, but um, some of them have really started. Well, they've, they've grown a lot since I got them. So sorry, I'm looking at them right now. So um, I might, I might breed some if they get up to size and a couple of them pair off. I might put them in a tank and breed them for fun, make some videos. I really like angels. Um, so maybe. No specific plans, though. It's kind of like if it happens, if, if a pair pairs up and starts wanting to do their thing, then I probably will. Um, okay. I'm scrolling more. Okay. <laughs> oh, so Rod didn't have any luck with the cloudy water. Oh, wait, he did. Sorry. So he's clarifying. 
Um, so Ra's considering buying a UV sterilizer for fixing his cloudy water. Um, yeah, thanks again, Turbo, if you're still here. And Dink clarifies that he hasn't tried it on cloudy water. Well, I have, and lots of people I know have, and it's worked, uh, just so you know, Rod. All right, getting back to where we are. Sorry, guys, I'm scrolling like mad. All right, almost there. How do you clean your sponges? Mile High asks. Rod says he squeezed them in a tank of water. Yep. Um, sometimes there is something to watch out for with sponges, which is depending on the sponge and who you got it from, not all of them are really hardy, meaning some of them will, will lose their open cell structure uh, quicker than others. So you can squeeze them out and sometimes you just have to because they're so clogged. But a couple things, um, what I like to do is get a bucket of water from the tank and just take them and move them around in that a lot and rinse them out. The less you can actually squeeze, the longer the sponge will last. But there's another thing that works really well, and that's amphipods. So if you have a tank of amphipods, so those are scuds, um, and you have kind of a larger open cell foam on your sponge, then if you put the sponge in there, those amphipods will burrow in throughout all the open cells in the sponge and clear it out for you. And then you can take it out, put it back in the tank, and then you have a pretty clean sponge and amphipods in that sponge, which the fish will eat over time. So little critters like that can be pretty useful for keeping your sponges clear in the first place. Um, I have several tanks that have amphipod uh, populations living in the sponge filter and they just keep it clean because they eat all the stuff that gets sucked into there. So that's, that's a little trick that can help. Um, all right. So someone's having a problem. Uh, let me find it. I think I lost it. Uh, so Anyway, it'll take me forever, so I'm not going to do that because it'll be boring while I try to find it. Lumpy Dog, anyone permanently heating a fish room with an electric space heater? Yes. Before I got the gas heater, I did that for several years. How long have you been doing so? Any issues, concerns, or suggestions? I'm really nervous to leave it on running when I'm not home. So, um, Lumpy Dog, I did that for a long time. This is the first time in this iteration of the fish room that I have a gas heater that I love. Um, a little furnace. But for all my years of keeping fish up till now, that's how I've done it. The thing that I've found works best are the oil-filled space heaters, not the ones where you see the electrical element through the screen, but the ones that are oil-filled. The reason is they don't seem to get as hot, and it's a more uniform heat. So there's no, like, electric coil right there that's kind of not exposed, but that, that is keeping the heat really hot in one point, and then the rest is not as hot. So oil-filled heaters work well. Um, I've never had a problem with them. I just figure out where to turn the thermostat to where it'll keep the room where I want it, and I just leave it there. And that worked for me for years and years and years. The issues, electricity costs a lot when you're running a heater. Um, and the more you can insulate your room, the better. That's the real issue I had. Um, so if your fish room is well insulated, you'll probably be fine. But 
those heaters do suck up a lot of electricity and that translates into quite a power bill. So that's the main issue I had. In rooms where I had really good insulation, they weren't a problem. So that's my experience with them. Oh, the other thing is you want to circulate the air in the fish room. So you want to have a fan that blows air across the heater and then another fan somewhere else in the room to return it. So you get a nice airflow in there as well. That'll help stabilize things. But yeah, for sure, I, I've used them for a long time and I know a lot of other people that have. But for me, it's always the oil-filled ones. Um, that being said, bis big disclaimer, all heaters are, can be dangerous. Um, you got to be really careful. Don't let anything flammable get within a few feet of them. Um, I have been in fish rooms where cardboard boxes are pushed up next to the heater and all this stuff, and it's kind of scary. So just, just be smart about it, where you put it. But they do work. Um, Viola. Oh, Viola's talking about her. Okay, so Viola and Rod both have the white bloom and they've had their tanks set up for quite a while. So they're nice mature tanks, yeah. Yep. So it's an imbalance somewhere. That's, that's all we know for sure. Okay, some people are digging in. Lumpy dog, space heaters scare me too. Yeah, any heater scares me. Um, Okay, so Dank Tanks gets black water from his frog tanks. So your frog tanks must be full of like pea mosses and sphagnum moss and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so where people are trying to figure out the white bloom, the bacterial bloom. Rod says, Marineland 353 levels of sponges on both sides for a total of six. Clean sponges every six days. Also use quilt batting. So yeah, it's good for particulates and for biological, but... Uh, that bacteria is so small, it won't catch them. Squeeze them in the tank. Oh, yeah, I've been here before, I feel. Um, dank. That's an awesome tip, Dan. Never thought of it like that. I assume we're talking about the sponge filter cleaning. Um, but, yeah, it works pretty good. I tried scuds, but they overran everything with no fish to keep them in check. Yeah, they will. They'll populate, which is why we culture them for life food. The issue is... Um, if you have tanks that you want to keep shrimp in, like neocaridina or caridina type shrimps in, then you might not want to put scuds in those tanks. But tanks with fish in them, yeah, they'll uh, they'll be great fish food. Mile High, hey, thank you. Thank you so much for the uh, super chat, Mile High. I appreciate it. Um, Dan, what's your favorite kind of cheese? Man, it's hard to be a nice, sharp cheddar. <laughs> I, I like lots of cheeses. Um, I've, I like lots of different kinds of cheeses, but I'm saying cheddar because I think it's the thing that goes with so many other things, right? Sandwiches, all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's usually what I'm kind of slicing cheese on is for a sandwich. I guess mozzarella is good for other things. You can't really make pizza with cheddar, can you? I'm sticking with it. A sharp cheddar. That's my favorite cheese. <laughs> There's your $2 answer. Thank you again, Mile High. Rod, thanks everyone. Gotta go pick up my son. Okay, thanks Rod. I hope that the whiteness in the tank clears up. Um, I don't think there's any magical thing to it except for letting it rebalance, but a UV sterilizer will kill it. I know that, uh, but it won't fix the imbalance, but it will kill the, the particulates. Um, everyone's saying bye to Rod. Aqua, sometimes adding a new piece of wood could cause cloudy water as well, correct? Yep, 
depending on what the wood is releasing. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially if there's parts of the wood or things in the wood that starts decomposing when you put it in your tank, then that's a food source for the bacteria. And then uh, suddenly there's more food in there available. Other creatures aren't eating it. And so you get a bacterial bloom. So for sure, if, if a new piece of wood was added, that can do it. Any change can do it. That's the thing. It's so hard to pinpoint what it was that the only thing I know how to do is keep the oxygen flowing, make sure it's not an ammonia or nitrite issue that's happening, and then let the system rebalance itself because it's hard to pinpoint. Um, Dink, yep, sponge filter cleaning. Q, Q Aquatics, my sump for my 120-gallon spraying a leak. Oh, man, I'm sorry. If you didn't hear it earlier, uh, Susie Q, I, uh, I had a little leak in my sprinkler manifold recently. That was no fun. Dank likes provolone cheese. Yeah, provolone's good. It's pretty mild though. That's why I'm saying sharp cheddar. Like when you eat sharp cheddar, you're like, man, this cheese is making an impact. Provolone, it does. It's good in lots of things that you wouldn't put cheddar in, but it doesn't have like a punch. Um, Aqua, Q, sorry to hear it. Is it removable? I know my tank is stuck under my stand. Oops. Yeah. Oh, hopefully it's like, yeah, Q, I hope it's like in the pipe and you can get a new pipe in there or something, uh, as opposed to, uh, in the glass of the sump itself. That would be, that would be horrible. Um, mile high. I subbed. Well, thanks. Glad you subbed. Dink. Lower it past the leaps and keep, keep her rolling. Yep. That's, I've, that's true. That's how we deal with a lot of leaky sumps. <laughs> Just lower the water level. Let me dog, dog a Q. Inexpensive plastic totes work great as a replacement while you repair the sump. Yep. That's true. Absolutely. Uh, mile high. I smoke cheddar. Mmm, so tasty. <laughs> so you smoke dollar bills? DK, it's all about the pepper jack. Yep, okay, yeah, that's true. I feel like pepper jack, though, is probably good in less things than you could use cheddar in. But yeah, when you have the pepper jack, you know it's there. It, it makes an impact. That is an impactful cheese. That is true. Three times sharp bite into it and you cringe. Yep, for sure. I, I love a sharp cheddar. It's great. I don't know. Every now and then I, uh, my French heritage. So my bloodline is French and English. My last name comes from the French and, um, my French heritage comes up in me and I go buy all these bizarre cheeses and try them out with crackers just cause it's fun, but I like them all pretty much. Um, Q, my tank is stuck under as well. Leak is about an inch from the bottom. Oh man, I am sorry, Susie Q. That is, that is not the right way to have a leak. Oh, that sounds like a project. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think Lumpy Dog was right. I think go grab a cheap tote, get things running there so you can strip that sucker down. Oh, that's a bad day. I'm so sorry. Yep. That sucks. Looks like you have some work ahead of you, for sure. No love for Velveeta cheese product. No way, man. I'm not that desperate, lumpy dog. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going for over an hour. We hit the bottom of the chat. So this is the point in the chat where I say, uh, if anyone has a comment that's important to get out or a question that they need answering, get it out now because in a couple of minutes here, I'm going to start shutting her down. Velveeta, only on mac and cheese. Ah, yeah, if you're desperate. And that's what, man, my wife made homemade mac and cheese today. And I didn't have time between working this live stream to go eat it. So I'm about to head up there and do that. 
Hers is awesome. She makes awesome, awesome mac and cheese. Um, Dink Tanks. If someone ever says America to favorite cheese, they're a communist. We're back to the conspiracy theory. Save us, Kyle. Come back. Save us, Kyle. <laughs> DK. Wine cheddar for water change days. Yep. Wine. Have a little cheese with your wine. That's right. I had a biology teacher in high school that used to put that up on the blackboard because this is back in the day when we had blackboards, chalkboards, and he would, uh, anyone, someone was whining, he'd point to it and it says, uh, you want a little cheese with that wine? Spelled W-H-I-N-E. Steve, what up my fellow Frenchman? Well, welcome Steve. Glad you're here. Lumpy Dog, it's been a hoot. Thanks for the stream, Dan. Thanks. Thanks Lumpy Dog for coming. HC, hello, I'm late. HC, you came right in time for the end, the glorious finale. So HC, we're shutting her down in a few minutes. Um, I'm just waiting for the last questions and comments to come through. And then pretty quick here, we're going to shut down. So if there's any comment or question you have or any spawns you've had you need to tell us about, um, get them in now. Mile, is there a thing as too much air? I just got a new pump and that's way stronger and my fish are acting a little funny. Yeah, for sure. Um, mile high, you can have too much current, too much water movement to the point that the fish have trouble swimming. And so they're fighting the current so much that it just wears them out. So if the fish seem like they're having trouble being comfortable, seem like they're fighting the current a lot, you might want to dial it down. Um, Plecos, if it's in your pleco tanks, a lot of plecos really like a lot of current. They come from some of them, not all of them, but from areas where the rivers flow in and there's a good amount of current. So they might not be bugged by it. But yeah, if the fish are struggling, turn it down for sure. Because it over time, it will wear them out. And there's a lot of fish that come from environments where they don't have current. Um, a lot of your live bearers will struggle in current. A lot of your killifish, um, a lot of fish from any of those kind of systems that don't flow quickly, you can have a real issue. So I would turn it down if you're noticing that. Fishing glass made it. All right, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the end. Um, let's see here. HC Aqua is here, time to end the stream. <laughs> That's right. Well, now that HC and fishing glass are here, we gotta go another hour. No, man, I'm too hungry. Um, HC, do you keep shrimp? I have a few cherry shrimp right now, but that's really all I've got. Um, so here's the species that I've bred and raised. I've bred uh, crystal red shrimp. This was years ago when they were super expensive. Um, and I bred cherry shrimp and tiger shrimp. Um, and those are kind of all I've done. I've never got to the point where I was going to get way into designer shrimp or anything. What I've always done with shrimp is just used them as part of the ecosystem and then use them to raise my fry and incubate my fish eggs because they're great with fish eggs and fry. And so um, I've always gone for kind of the, the easier species. But I will say um, when I bred the crystal red shrimp, this was back in the day when it wasn't done very often, I bred them in a five and a half gallon in super hard water in a bear tank in Los Angeles. Oh no, Santa Barbara. And it was just a bare tank. It had salvinia on top and it had a whole bunch of java moss in it and a big sponge filter. That's all. That's it. And the, uh, the wholesaler, 
I got them from, um, after they bred, I told him, Hey, I got, I got the shrimp breed and he didn't believe me. He didn't believe me because they're supposed to only thrive in soft acidic water and be really difficult. And you had to have a big stable tank and all this stuff. And so I, I brought him over to my house and I showed him and, uh, yeah, he was amazed, but it just goes to show you that you can do anything as long as, um, you keep the critters needs in mind. The reason it worked, I think, is because even though the tank was small, it had a lot of plants in it and they were thriving and really growing. And so I think that just kept the water really clean and really stable. But yeah, they, they did well. And, uh, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Steen fought. Hey, welcome. Glad you could make it, Bob. Just in time to say goodbye. Um, Mile high. It's in a 180-gallon tank with a sturgeon <laughs> and four sponge filters. All right. All right. <laughs> Should be fine. Should be fine, mile high. But only if it's a full-grown sturgeon. As long as the sturgeon's big, then that should be a great setup. For those of you that don't know, I am joking. And so is everyone else in here right now. All right. Thomas made it back. All right. Yeah, we went long enough, Thomas. You could have dinner and still make the show. Awesome. Awesome. Um, HC, how are shrimp great with fish eggs? So HC, um, I use shrimp when I'm incubating my fish eggs because there's often an issue with fish eggs that just detritus gets on them and then you start getting bacteria that gets on them and then you lose the clutch. But what I found is with a lot of fish eggs, if I put shrimp in with them, then the shrimp will graze all over them and they'll keep the detritus from settling on them. They keep them clean. I don't know if they eat bacteria off them or anything like that, but whatever they do, the action of them, they're kind of grazing on the surface of the eggs, keeps those eggs clean so that I have a lot less problems with uh, bacteria. We call it fungus when the eggs go bad and you get all that cottony bacteria all over them, but it's actually bacteria. So the eggs don't fungus on me as much if I use shrimp. Now, usually I use them with kind of tough eggs like Corydoras, um, rainbow fish, killifish, um, things like that. But um, any eggs that are really tiny and really delicate, they might be able to eat or break. But a lot of eggs, they're great. They really help uh, keep the eggs healthy up through incubation. And then when the fry hatch in there, they kind of keep the tank clean of any extra food for the fry. I put snails in there for that too. And I know conventional wisdom says, don't put snails or shrimp in with, with fish you're trying to breed because they'll eat the eggs and all that. But that hasn't been my experience. In my experience, they're very beneficial to the process. Um, the only thing where it might be an issue keeping shrimp with incubating fish eggs is if the species that's going to hatch hatches out in a larval stage rather than a fry stage. What I mean by that is something like a tetra, where when it hatches, or a barb, when it hatches, it's just this tiny tail stuck to a yolk sac, and it's, it can't move around well. It's kind of stuck on the bottom of the tank. In that case, a shrimp might eat that. Um, but any species where the, where the fry hatch out and are immediately free swimming, you're probably just fine with shrimp. And I, with Corydoras too, even though the Corys hatch and lay on the bottom for a while. Anyway, that's, that's how I use shrimp with fish eggs. Um, all right, a lot of laughing going on. 
Steenfot, Dink, I almost bought some whatever that is today. So a species of fish that I don't recognize. I'm going to look that up. What is that, Steenfot? Oh, a poison dart frog. That's why I don't know what it is. All right. Um, Dink. Man, get that tank set up so next time you will. Yeah, that's right. Gotta have your poison dart frogs. Um, fishing glass, breeder net, java moss, and set it in from the hang on back filter. All right, I missed what set that off, but I'm sure that's sage wisdom. <laughs> I don't know what that's in reference to, but um, hang on. Hang on back, breeder net, java moss, and set it. I guess we're probably talking about, oh, are we talking about incubating eggs, maybe? Not quite sure, fishing glass. Um, I missed something there. Okay, Bob never comes to my live streams. Well, keep doing it, and I'm sure eventually, I'm sure eventually. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, Bob, it is a pleasure to have you here. It means I'm doing something right. I appreciate that. Um, it's always nice when someone you've been watching for a while and has helped you a lot, and uh, you've got a lot of entertainment from and things like that when when they come on your channel it's like uh yeah keeps it worth doing so but yeah keep going everyone we'll all end up on everyone's channels eventually okay and we're down thomas anyone breed saes i got some from an auction is it siamese algae eaters is that, Thomas, could you let me know what SAE stands for? Are you talking about Siamese algae eaters? If so, um, I've never bred them. I think they're kind of hard to breed on purpose, but I do know people that have had babies appear in their aquariums and raise them that way, if it's uh, Siamese algae eaters. Fanboys, well, of course. Have you seen Bob Steenfot? How could you not be a fanboy? <laughs> We're all gay for Bob, right? Um, Mile high, I will never own... Oh, now Bob will never come to the stream again. Mile high, I will never own a Siamese algae eater again. Yeah, they're jerks, yep. They're buttholes. Okay, I think I do know what we're talking about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an hour, 20 minutes. We've reached the bottom of the feed. So I think at this point, we're going to say good night. Thanks for joining. Glad to see you all. We'll be back, same bat time, same bat channel. So... 7 p.m. Mountain Time, Wyoming Time, next Wednesday. And I think what I'm going to do next Wednesday is a presentation on killifish and their different um, spawning techniques and how they kind of have evolved these really interesting things. So just uh, to put it out there, they come from these really interesting environments where they've had to adjust their breeding practices. So there's annual, there's non-annual, there's semi-annual, there's hermaphroditic, there's internal fertilization and later eggs are expelled. Um, there's all kinds of, of interesting behaviors. So I think I'm going to go into that a little bit. Um, that's the plan anyway. Don't, um, don't, don't hold me to it, but that's what I'm thinking about. Um, fishing glass. Dan, check your Facebook messenger. Okay, I will. I will. Just so you know, Fish and Glass, um, Dan at dancefish.com is the most reliable way to get a hold of me, but I'll check that since you said it just now. All right. Thank you all again. I appreciate you being here, and I will see you next Wednesday.
Have a good